I'm your host, The Weeb. This is the show where every other week I'll be talking about anime, manga, and everything in between. This week I'll be talking about a series so close to my heart, Symphon Gear, or Senki Zenshu Symphogear in Japanese. So, what is it about, and why did I watch it? Why did I watch Symphon Gear? Symphon Gear is, ah, oh, man. Let's start from the beginning, right? First off, disclaimers, spoiler alert. I'll be talking about all the seasons. It, there are five seasons, uh, 12 uh, slash 13 episodes each. I'll be recording these in parts. So I just finished the first season again. And I already have to record at the very least the first season. Because I will eventually forget it and I don't I will take like five days to watch the whole thing so anyways I, I it's better to record now so if there is a difference in recording sound just know that uh, my setup for recording is not fixed so that's the first disclaimer second disclaimer I'll be talking about most if not all of the, the story and I'll be talking about uh, for each season and the first season in specific has from what I can remember the biggest twist in the whole series because if you don't know the twist um, the villain kind of uh, becomes a surprise more or less anyways outside from that regular stuff spoiler alert you've been warned more than one time now and well let's get started right so why did you watch Symphon Gear? Symphon Gear is what can I say, man? It's it's one anime that really tells you that when they invest in anime music, you can get out with some great product. I, for me, at the very least, Sinfungir is a story to to me as a story of taking something so simple and turning it into something else. I don't know if they planned the, the five seasons when they first started the anime, but I can say that after five seasons, I started really liking it. I remember w- when I first watched it, when it was airing originally, the um, I was really lukewarm uh, towards the series in general, so the first four seasons were more or less a 6 out of 10, pretty average competent things passable and all when the fifth season hit oh boy everything came down so fast the fifth season is awesome uh, i'll just get out of the gate fifth season is strong really they went all out with all they could they <laughs> i'll get to the fifth season eventually but the fifth season is awesome and the first season is a really competent Maho Shoujo anime. Uh, let's get started before I get sidetracked more. So, first off, the stats, right? I'm talking about the first season specifically, so Symphon Gear, again, Senki Zesho Symphon Gear. It was originally aired from January 2012 to March 2012. 
it has 13 episodes. It says 13 episodes, but it's actually 12 because the last episode is a special of one hour. So I counted it as, as 12, 13, you got, you know what I'm saying. From the Wikipedia, the Wikipedia page, the studio responsible is a three-way collaboration from Satellite, Encourage Films and Studio and Studio Pastoral for one of the episodes from what is written the Wikipedia page. So that's basically it. The opening is done by Nana Mizuki. She does almost almost uh, the most memorable of this of the opening. So the first one I think it's the third or the fourth one, and the fifth one, with which is a, an actual song, like a real actual song. And she also does one of the uh, she voices one of the characters, the main characters, Tsubasa. So let's get to the story. I will not get really into the the voice actresses or voice actors in general because they are actual singers. So. I'll link to the Symphon Gear wiki anyways in the description of the episode so you guys can research for yourselves. But uh, simple to say, they got a lot of singers to actually do this, this Maho Shoujo anime about singing. And, and that's awesome. That's that's really investment to, to an anime. It's something that I really like. You can see they didn't spare anything for the production and the making of this one so let's get to it so what's the story the story begins and just a bit of world building it is some kind of future uh, our time but uh, some kind of future where apparently apparently the EU just went bankrupt altogether and when we talk about governments it's just US and Japan, and everything outside of the uh, outside of those two is kind of um, no man's land. Uh, they talk about terrorism, human trafficking. It's it is somewhat of a light-hearted anime, although it touches in some heavy, heavy stuff. The first season specifically shows a lot of a lot of heavy stuff. Anyways. So what's the story about? We first get introduced to the main the main girl, uh, Tachibana Hibiki, which eventually gets to be our main main protagonist. But let's get to it. So what happens really? She goes to this concert when she's like 13, and in the middle of it, there's this one attack of these let's say creatures. That exist in the world for some reason they uh, they are not explained to the public. Uh, they call it noise, and there are like multiple forms of noise and multiple like how can I say that? It's a whole lot of a whole lot of different uh, individuals of noise. It's just these uh, unintelligent beings that attack humans when they more or less touch a human the human turns into charcoal and blows to the wind so it's kind of pretty graphic actually and in the middle of it she's in this concert and the concert is of this one idol group Zwei Wings which is formed by Kanade and Tsubasa Kanade and Tsubasa are actually um, 
they call it candidates. They are sinful gear users. Kanade has Gangnir, the lens for the Norse god of Odin. And Tsubasa, Tsubasa has... I don't actually know the reference, but with a sword there, I, I don't actually remember the name. Matter of fact, right? Kanade has Gangnir, Tsubasa has the, the sword. And in the middle of trying to defeat all the noise, because it's a huge attack and a lot of mobs appear, the Kanade eventually tries to save Hibiki, but in the middle of defending her, she gets her armor shattered, and the debris hits Hibiki, and more or less one hits her to the ground. And so it's so heavy, because... She <laughs> Kanade is, is being overwhelmed by a lot of a whole lot of, of monsters and Hibiki now is the one she was trying to actually defend because uh, for what the anime shows most of the audience was either dead already or evacuated and Hibiki was just the, the stray left out and in the middle of defending her Kanade gets downed also uh, her armor gets shattered, you can see that she starts really losing power because her armor gets shattered. And hits Hibiki, Hibiki kind of almost dies. And then we get introduced to this first, uh, let's say, this first rule of the Symphon Gear, that is the Swan Song. So the Symphon Gear works more or less in what they call a phonic game. So all the girls who can activate the the relics they call it the, the both the armor and the weapons they have to sing so in, in a lot of in a lot of the fight scenes you see the girls first things first moving the um, singing as they start to attack the monsters or other opponents throughout the whole anime this can be a letdown a turn off kind of a, a kind of a bummer really takes a bit of the hype, at the very least, in my opinion, but it's something that I just grew custom to, so eventually I just didn't mind, but I remember the first time it was always this this little detail that really picked me the wrong way. Anyways, so with Hibiki almost dead and Kanade introducing this thing about the swan song that's the first, let's say, the, the huge rule about the, the Symphon Gear in the whole series, is that the song song is a thing they do, that they start this one song that's basically the self-destruct button, that is super overpowered as in output, so they can actually uh, kill a whole lot of things, They, as they say in the anime, they release a, lot of, a whole lot of more energy than the armor and the weapons can handle, but they also die in the process because the strain in the body gets too much for the for the user and Kanade uses it to basically clear out the whole now empty stadium just for the monsters right and Hibiki is almost dead and in the middle of that Tsubasa also sees Kanade doing that not really clear for what reason she does it but also she knows that the the attack is huge there are a lot of monsters and all but we also see that Tsubasa, as, as Kanade's partner, is also like... How can I say that? She sees the... the it's, it's always like... She sees the weight of sacrificing oneself in the middle of a battle that she, 
Tsubasa assumed was not really needed to have the sacrifice. More, more or less, uh, Tsubasa assumed that there was was no audience to save, really, just uh, noise to kill. So she didn't see the reason for why Kanade would use the swan song in that in that situation. And the next scene, uh, basically, Kanade dies, and Hibiki closes her eyes and just passes out. The next scene, we see that Hibiki, it's been two years since the accident, and Hibiki enters this boarding school, and more or less, she enters this boarding school with chorus and all this, it's on it's an all-girls school, so it's, I would say, a pretty normal Maho Shoujo setting, for the most part, the... Also, another disclaimer now that I remember, the anime has a whole lot of Yuri bait. So it never really shows anything happening, but the ships are there. The ships are there for a reason. The ships are more or less uh, used towards the end of the series. Not the first season, the first season has nothing really happening, but uh, you see as the, the seasons go that it escalates fairly quickly. More or less. Anyways, so we get introduced again to Hibiki. Now Hibiki, after the accident, she is this cheerful... Because we never really get introduced to her before, and neither to Tsubasa. But uh, we get to, to see them with the after effects of the, um, of the accident. So much so that they cite the accident as a turning point on their lives multiple times through in the series. So Hibiki after the accident she becomes this kind to a fault altruist first girl. She saves from animals to people. She always tries to help anyone. She becomes more or less your general shonen anime protagonist more or less. To in a good way, in a good way. And she's shown to always try to to help someone. And always, not to avoid conflict, but always communicate with people. So much so that um, she gets late to to school because she saved a cat or helped someone in the in the class or something like that. And and that's the base of her personality. She she really wants to help people, even if it will cost something for her. She puts others in front of herself. In a good way. And from that point on, we get in also introduced to her, let's, uh, between quotes, or, okay, air quotes, love interest, that is Kohinata Miku, I think that's right. Anyways, the, the thing is, right, Kohinata Miku, that's right. The thing is, she she's this, I will not say opposite to, to Hibiki, but Miku is this... A really kind of shy person, kind of not only shy really, but she's more of um, she admires Hibiki in a lot of ways, but she, and she wants to do what Hibiki does in a way of helping people and going out there and doing stuff, but also she sees herself as not doing that because she has this introvert more of. Um, personality more or less and she is for the most part the main girl main main partner for the protagonist 
that is Hibiki. So much so that when Hibiki needs it, the one voice to cr to get her heart is Miku. Almost always there it is Miku, and also Miku becomes way more important towards the end of the series. But that's a huge spoiler. Anyways, so after these two, we get introduced also to the and just as a heads up, right? So we get introduced to Hibiki, to Miku, and we get introduced to the first situation that Hibiki really puts herself later than someone else. There is this uh, this uh, noise attack in near the school and for whatever reason there is this one girl left in the street when the noise are coming to get their humans and he just grabs the girl and, and tries to run away with her and there's this whole montage of Hibiki and the girl running away and Hibiki has no way to fight back at that point it has absolute no way to fight back she just runs and runs and runs and every time she falls, she remembers that Kaede, Kanade said to her when she was defending her. Don't give up on life. You have to you have to continue living. And that's the, the moving force for Hibiki for the most for the most part. It is this uh, unwielding wish to honor what uh, Kanade sacrificed on that day when she saved her. Because Hibiki was basically dead and kind of sacrificed herself so Hibiki could live. So Hibiki feels indebted to that act more to the more than to the person because the person is unpayable right now because the person died defending her. But Hibiki uses that as a um, reason to live, reason to fight, right? And she basically she saves the girl. And Tsubasa appears to save them uh, after being cornered. Tsubasa appears to basically save them. And, and a little before that, Hibiki kind of discovers that she has powers. But I'll get to that. And basically, the, Hibiki and Tsubasa get into this one to one another formally. But then there's this whole thing where Tsubasa can't accept Hibiki as a fighter and as a partner in defeating Noise. Because Tsubasa, after the incident, she became bitter with guilt. Basically, as she sees it, she left Kanade to die and she cannot forgive herself. So much so that in the past two years after the incident that Kanade died, Tsubasa has been recklessly uh, fighting solo against hordes, hordes and hordes of noise and basically with no, how can I say that, with no, no vision for the future, right? So she just fights now, much like, and I, I will draw comparisons right now because it, it is kind of relatable, much like Shimon when Kamina dies, Tsubasa is when Kanada dies, it's basically the same thing. So now that now that I basically introduce the three main characters in the start, let's get to the to the other things. So there's a whole lot of word building that happens in between those things. So let's get to it. So after Tsubasa saves Hi Hibiki and the girl, um, 
she takes Hibiki to the... Um, they call it the special special division against disaster, something like that. And we we get introduced to a whole lot of uh, support characters that will stick with us along the series. So we get introduced to Genjiro. I hope I'm saying his name right. <laughs> Can you tell I'm looking at the Wikipedia page? Kazanari Genjiro. That, as a side note, is... Tsubasa's uncle. Anyways, uh, he's the commander of the division. He's the... Just as a heads up, right? He has this whole philosophical paternal figure, uh, Sitch, to himself. And also, also, he's basically a Jojo character implanted in the middle of the, this whole anime. Why do I say that? It's because, for whatever reason... He has superpowers that they're not explained. He can kind of stop noise without time, kinda. And he can stop the Symphon Gear from fighting just by sheer force of will. The guy is just a Jojo character implanted. That's unimportant. He's one of the one of the main plot-driven uh, characters. He moves some sticks, he gets the uh, the orders, and eventually he gets to this part where he trains basically all the girls, but mainly Hibiki, and he's overall the, the main supporting character of the whole thing. We get introduced also to Ogawa Shinji, that is this one of the secret agent slash the manager for Tsubasa, because, uh, returning to the whole whole thing, right? Tsubasa and Kanade were were um, idol group, uh, both of them, so uh, idol duo, whatever. And after Kanade died, uh, Tsubasa went into a solo career. And so, when we are getting to this two years later thing, where Hibiki earns her powers and all, we get this thing where... Tsubasa is in the middle of her solo career, so she's releasing CDs and doing concerts and all. And that's basically it. So Ogawa works double time as secret agent for the division. This, and I mean, f f to this point, it's kind of obvious, but this kind of whole spiel about this disaster division and all, it's undercover stuff, so they are... Uh, just confidential things, classified information, and all, and all, and all. But that's the the sitch. We're getting to this also to the um, at this point the last one uh, important person, Sakura Yoko. She's the um, main researcher for the relics, the um, Symphon Gear relic, and she's just this goofball kind of. <laughs> There's this whole this whole joke about she should be old. And she basically researches and says all the jargon, tells all the little tidbits about the relics and the deep lore of the world and all. And there are a lot of deep lore references to everything. I don't, I don't know all all the references to mythology and biblical things, but there are a lot of it if you want to research. And basically that's it. She's the main researcher of the whole group and all. 
we get introduced also to some guys that that I don't really know the names that work in the let's say the uh, operation center of the division when there's a mission, there's a, an attack and all. But anyways, that's the this basic the basic situation we are in, the basic environment we are wo working with. So to this point, we get Hibiki and Tsubasa as the Symphon Gears. We get this noise as the main enemy that attacks randomly and there's no visible end to their threat. We get this division that works undercover and <laughs> as a bonus, their, their HQ is under the boarding school Hibiki goes to. And that's more or less it. At this point, Miku does not know that Hibiki has powers. And now that I remember, I need to also tell the lore about uh, Hibiki's power. So, to activate a Symphon Gear, to have a Symphon Gear, you have to have this little uh, pendant, let's say, to activate, to materialize, let's say, the armor and the weapons. But Hibiki discovers she has this thing without having the pendant or anything. Later we... later. One episode later, we get to understand that after um, Ryoko does some tests in her, she because some of the armor that Kanade wore shattered and hit Hibiki in a way that perforated her heart and were not uh, removed when she got surgery because she almost died now. They kind of fuse with her, so she's kind of hacked already. She's half relic, half relic, half human. So uh, the hacks come come pretty early in this thing after we discover that. And basically, uh, Hibiki does not need a pendant, although although I'm quite certain that eventually they introduce a pendant for whatever reason. I don't remember actually, but I'll get to that when I get to the later seasons. Anyways, the thing is, Hibiki has hacks already, and for the foreseeable future, we got that. Later we get introduced, after this whole thing about uh, Hibiki having to learn how to fight because she has no, no formal training, no actual training actually, uh, for fighting, she cannot materialize a weapon, she just have the armor, and basically she just stumbles around the battlefield actually not really being effective. We get this whole part about Hibiki having to hide from Miku, that, she, that is her roommate and love interest in air quotes, that she has superpowers. So there is this whole uh, passive-aggressive kind of conflict between them that Miku knows that something's wrong. Uh, it's apparent, obviously. And Hibiki has this inbuilt guilt about hiding something from Miku. Eventually, this kind of get resolved, kind of. But it's safe to say we eventually get introduced to the first, uh, let's say, nameable villain let's say, that is Yukine Chris, that is the, let's say, the third Symphon Gear, because, and, and this is a bit of deep lore, in the midst of, in the midst of the accident, when Kanade died, 
there was this one relic that got stolen. I cannot pronounce the name. It's some kind of armor. I don't actually... I cannot pronounce this name. And the thing is, the armor was stolen and all, and two years later, wow, there is this one girl wearing the armor. What could it be? And so the whole thing gets gets around to uh, Tsubasa still not accepting Hibiki as a partner and having to fight this one girl with really good, sinful, basically a Symphon gear, right? So Tsubasa gets basically wrecked to save Hibiki. Hibiki gets really guilty about it and goes to, to the commander to get training. It's funny because the first part of the training is watching kung fu movies. So the first first frame is them imitating Bruce Lee. It's it's kind of funny. It's pretty funny actually. And long story short, right? There there are recurring noise attacks because we later learn that Chris can actually summon noise with one of the relics she has. That is the cane of I don't remember the name. I don't actually remember the name of the, most of the um, relics because goddamn man, some some of these things are in Latin and some of these things are just this old Norse. So sorry, I I just cannot. Basically, basically the whole thing revolves around the fact that Chris, for whatever reason, is attacking with noise the city or the division HQ or a whole lot of stuff. And there is this whole behind-the-curtain kind of thing where they have to move some relic to another to another site because the relic is just a, it's an object of power. It's um, something they could use to save the world and all. It's super powerful. Nobody can actually use it yet. And for one reason or another, Chris appears and tries to steal it. In the midst of trying to steal it, uh, Hibiki, that is alone because Tsubasa is at the hospital uh, recovering after trying to use the swan song on Chris. Hibiki alone kind of awakens the this relic that is Durandal. And in, she basically uses it for one swing. Durandal, if no one knows, it's, um, it's one of the swords from Arturian legend. She swings it one time to kind of hit Chris. And then passes out because the the power is too much. From that point on, we get this whole thing about Durandal being kind of lost. The operation to move it being being cancelled. Durandal is not actually lost, but it's unusable, let's say. Because it's awakened, but nobody can actually touch it because the, there's too much power and all. Long story short, there is... And this is a spoiler, right? Uh, I will... This is the main spoiler of the, the first season. The guys in the division start to get this impression that it is information leaking somewhere, somehow. Because whenever they try to move something, do something, they, either the government orders them to or they are trying to advance in finding uh, both Chris, the, the armor that was stolen and the relic they found that can summon noise. Every time they get interrupted for one reason or another. And then we get some 
like the normal foreshadowing when when there's this close up in the squinty eyes you you know that there's something i'll say like that i could not by watching it i could not get what they saw the foreshadowing was there yes but the the twist was not clear who was the mole in the middle of the division was not clear but that's unimportant uh, i'll get to that so what happens after that Tsubasa eventually gets back on her feet miku and hibiki get into kind of a fight and it ends up being that hibiki ends up having to save miku because miku tried to save someone got cornered into into a place somewhere and Hibiki had to go there and fight the noise that was chasing them and actually told Miku like yes I have powers I have this whole situation behind me I have a, organi a government organization that I need to keep quiet about I have to keep quiet about my my powers and the whole the whole thing and eventually they make up and all it's kind of wholesome but you know that nothing will well, will really shake that because first things first Miku is the main love interest of the main character that's Hibiki and because there are four other seasons what what would would it be without Miku I'm getting ahead of myself so after that uh, we get this part where for whatever reason, whoever is, let's say, controlling Chris gets... And and that that person that is controlling Chris, more or less, is the same person that's leaking the information, is the same person that uh, has the master plan behind it all. Eventually, Chris kind of gets rebellious with the person and more or less disrupt com disrupts communication gets and gets left alone at the same time. With the person, the person at this point is called Fine. That is the, let's say, the mastermind behind it all. And in the basics of it, uh, Chris is left in the streets, more or less, because the all the food she had was from Fine. All the clothes she had was from Fine. And she's more or less living on the streets with a uh, functional symphon gear, because we eventually get to know that Chris actually has a uh, relic for herself that is the it's called Ichibao from what I gather it's um, from what I remember I think it's North Norse mythology it is a, a bow but in the anime it's it's um, represented as a crossbow if we are strictly speaking the whole the whole Ichibao package is long-range combat because Chris can summon miniguns, missiles, cross laser crossbows, uh, homing missiles. She uh, she's the one actual Symphon Gear that can fly for real, and eventually she gets also rail cannons. But that's besides the point. So what happens after that? So. In, in the midst of this thing where Chris is left on the street after Miku and Hibiki kind of made up and Tsubasa is back in action, every time there is a noise attack, Hibiki and Chris get kind of involved 
And every time Hibiki tries to communicate with Chris, tries to reason with her, tries to bring her to their to their side. And always we see that Chris is this really uh, opposing, rebellious kind of personality. And she really opposes being friends with anyone. And then we learn the whole backstory of the whole thing that led to Chris being like that. So for whatever reason, Chris was involved with the the division, the Symphon Gears from an early age because her parents were a violinist and a singer that they the division kind of contracted to research the phonic gain, the awakening of the relics, the resonance with with music. And for one reason or another, they never really go deep into it. They just kind of gloss over. There is this one disruption in the middle of the studies that in the middle of the, I don't know, the research, the whole shebang that leads to the death of both her parents. And for one reason or another, she gets kidnapped for by a third party and just goes around and ends up in Phineas hand for whatever reason. So she's really uh, traumatized by the lack of parents, by the the whole abuse she goes through in the in her childhood. They never actually go into that, but it's implied. And that's basically it. She's averse to having relations with other people because she does not like people. She does not like um, she does not trust anyone besides herself. And she has this resistance of being friends with Hibiki at the start, but eventually, eventually, the, the shell kind of cracks. After also, the commander goes and explains to her that it was um, kind of his fault that her parents got killed and that she got kidnapped and all everything happened to her. It, the, he never explicitly says to her, but it is kind of explained off screen, more or less, to us audience, not to the word, to the anime really. So, anyways, uh, after that, so Chris eventually gets to be friends with with Tsubasa and Hibiki, and then we get to the end of season rush. Oh man, that <laughs> so many sacrifices, so many hacks at the same time. So, first thing that happens, turns out, turns out that actually Ryoko was Fine from the Gekko. She used Hibiki as a research project to infuse a person with a relic because Hibiki already has the the bits of the original Gangnir in her so she can activate Gangnir from inside. And she basically uses Chris to kind of distract the division into doing other things where uh, while she gather materials to activate this whole master plan and and the lore in the first season is really uh really shallow because and, and I cannot say for certain I would never be able to say if they decided to add the lore later or if they started it w- before they even started the whole anime series. But basically, the Phineas plan 
is to destroy the moon using a super railgun that is installed in the Division's HQ under the school. Because apparently the moon is the source of the curse of Balao that prevents humans from communicating in a single language and being able to understand each other. That's a mouthful. Let's re rephrase it slowly. So basically, the the um, the pretext of the whole the whole conflict of the anime is that humans can't understand each other because we have different languages, and this eventually leads to conflicts and war. The idea is that if we had a single language and could understand each other in a perfect world, we would be able to resolve things by communication and not war. Basically, if we could, and that's because there is this one curse that is placed on humans that prevents us to unifying our languages. So by destroying the source of the curse, people would understand each other and stop war. That's the that's the whole the whole pretext of the whole thing. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, that's not not to me to decide. It, it is a lore dump at the end of the anime. It's okay. It's okay. So the idea is that uh, Fini eventually explains also why she's Ryoko and Fini at the same time. Basically, Ryoko at some point while researching uh, Symphon Gear and the relics was exposed to this soul of a priestess of a node civilization. The civilization that uh, was first afflicted by the curse of Balao that uh, that prevents people from understanding each other. She's a, the soul of a priestess of this first civilization that was afflicted with the curse. And she kind of grows inside of uh, Ryoko's body and eventually Ryoko's, uh, Ryoko's conscience dies and Fina is the only one left. So she says that for the last 12 years Fina was Ryoko uh, undercover basically and at this point in time she has fused with both the armor and the cane that Chris had so she can summon noise at will and she has all the uh, all the powers of the um, armor that includes regeneration and some it's kind of a whip it's if you ever played soul caliber it's more or less ivy sword but longer that's the, the that's the best explanation i can give if you don't know what i'm talking about uh, search ivy soul caliber you, you get what i'm saying so what happens in the end uh basically there's this whole bunch of noise that that's summoned into the city the everything is destroyed more or less and basically finis Fini baits out all Tsubasa, Hibiki, and Chris to the Tokyo Tower that's far from the from the school. With a lot of noise, she baits out them and then attacks the the school. Really, to uh, let's say to emerge the the let's say the massive railgun from underneath the school to point to the moon. And then we get to the part where the hacks start. There's this whole conf this whole big big fight between the tree and Fine and eventually Fine actually t 
turns on the railgun, but as it fires, Chris uh, uses her swan song to stop, or at the very least to take the railgun out of its main course and just scrape the moon. The, the idea that they have is that destroying the moon will more or less disrupt the, the rest of the ecosystem of the world, which is, which is actually a logical thing, right? But what can you say? The, the one wanting to destroy the moon has, at the very least, more than 5,000 years of history. It's prehistoric from what they say in the anime. So, basically, it's, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. But they try to avert the destruction of the moon. That's the main thing. Given that uh, Chris uses her song song, and just the shot scrapes the moon and breaks just a piece of it. It's a huge piece, but it's just a piece, not the whole moon. Next up, and actual detail, Chris does not inflict any damage in the railgun itself. It just takes the the railgun out of its main course for the first shot. So there's more fight after Chris kind of falls out and dies. Uh, Tsubasa notices that the railgun will shoot again and in the midst of it Fini kind of does some black magic or something like that to make uh, Hibiki go go berserk because of her the fusion with the relic inside her heart and Tsubasa first stuns Hibiki uses her song song to destroy the railgun. Wow, <laughs> right? So there, there's two swan songs in the in the last episode. So already, so oh boy, how how will this anime even continue after this? Anyways, after that, there's this whole uh, touching segment that uh, Hibiki just get after she goes berserk and notices that. Both of them, both Chris and Tsubasa died. She just falls to the ground like soulless, right? And at this point, the girls from the school are watching them. So the guys from the division and the girls from the school are together in a shelter and watching the fight. And Miku, as Miku does, because Miku is the, again, the main love interest in air quotes and also the one that comes in the clutch. In the moments that we need her, she just gets the idea. Let's sing the anthem of the school that Hibiki uh, mentions in some one of the the uh, earlier episodes. That is her calming song, basically. And when they they start singing, there is this. Uh, they kind of sprinkle these particles in the animation, right? That is. The, the phonic gang kind of entering Hibiki, and not only Hibiki, right? So Hibiki is, is trashed at this point. Fina is basically immortal. The railgun is basically destroyed, and Fina is just like taking her anger out in Hibiki's body. But then the phonic gang just comes out and revives both Chris and Tsubasa, and Hibiki just gets like super hype to fight. So so. It's now or never, right? And there is this whole uh, JRPG boss kind of battle. She has like 
four phases, she combines all the noise into her, she becomes this uh, half a dragon, half a spaceship, half a... I don't... I don't even... I have... I have no comparison to... It seems like something you would find in Dark Souls. That's the best thing I can say about that. And there's this whole fight, the, all the fight, blasting music. The songs are incredible. All, all the songs are incredible for the most part in the first season. There are the songs that are less incredible. There are the songs that are really incredible. The songs that are hype, that really gives the, that energy. God damn it, it's been on one hour already. Whatever. The point is, it is... Le less boss kind of battle. It's, it, it is now or never. It is a huge, huge battle. And they have this... They kind of unlock a new mode, more or less. They never really uh, give names to the modes mo for the most part. But they all get this, like, version of their armor with wings and full white. And they get like infinite power, and, and it's it's a pretty good battle. It's fairly good animation for the most part. It is it's just good. It's just good. They eventually defeat her, but but they get her out, so she does not die. And in being that she does not die, at the very last second, she tries again. She uses the last of her power to, like, spend the whip from the Earth to the piece of the moon she could, uh, she shot off, basically, and drag the whole thing to, to the Earth. So, basically, that's a huge meteor coming to Earth now. And what would you know, she kind of disintegrates. Hibiki goes to the stratosphere together with Tsubasa and, and Chris. And get the Swan Song out again because at the, at this point there were like three or four uses of Swan Songs between them, and nobody died. So at this point, what what would you do except use the Swan Song again, right? If if you didn't die once, you probably won't die twice. Am I right? And at this point, they they get the job done, but it comes out that they died. They actually died this time. Except when you watch the after credits scene. So they kind of have like, I don't know, one month of not appearing anywhere. Not even Miku would know that. And at, at this point, Miku knows about everything about the division and all and all and all. But this is the one thing that Miku does not know. And the moment when they return to the Earth, it is really touching. I will not lie, I almost cried a whole lot of times in this anime. Me explaining is is not even near the experience of watching it. This anime is, is really good. It's really, really good. But anyways, about my opinion. The anime is just good. The story is pretty... I will not say run-of-the-mill. It's, it's run-of-the-mill, actually. It's pretty run-of-the-mill, Maho Shoujo kind of stuff. Rain Girl gets random power for random reason and fight the bad guys for whatever reason and that's okay by me i i'm a fan actually i i don't i don't mind that 
it's passable for me it's a 7 out of 10 some people will say it's a 5 some people may say it's worse than a 5 because it's not really the best Mahoshojo ever and I can get that it's it's plausible it's plausible animation animation they use a deliberate amount of 3d animation in parts that to me fit they don't use 3d animation more they, than they need to the fights are animated in 2d the most of the action scenes even if not fights are animating in 2d the parts that are animating in 3d are well done and fairly let's say it's well placed i i'm not shy about saying that i don't like 3d in anime in general and this one uses it the right amount it's just the right amount the animation itself you can see some parts they kind of went cheap and some parts they didn't spare a cent so for all i can see it's a um, it's probably a seven the art style for the first season especially it is hit or miss it gets better towards the later seasons from what i remember but for the first season it's pretty okay now the music the music's a 10 it's straight up i i don't i don't need to explain that i don't actually need to explain i unironically want to buy the singles from the CDs for this for the whole series actually the fifth season is the one that's really important but we get we will get to the fifth season eventually that's and that's basically it that's basically it I'll not do the full actually given that it's been one hour of uh, recording I'll just do the normal ending if you like what I do if you like what I when I talk about the show, please subscribe, like, follow, share, please share. Please join the Discord if you want to listen to more of my rants, of my dumb opinions about dumb anime. <laughs> please stick around. I, I hope you stick around. And I will see you next time. Bye.